Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hotcast. I am your host, lead writer at the Lantern Newsletter, Ruben Tesh. And joining me, as always, is RJ. RJ, uh, how you doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? You know, we just saw one of the greatest tournaments ever in uh, sporting history. And now we have to talk about the fire? Yes. We have to... Yes, we do. Let's talk about the fire. Right now. Let's, let's just get right into it. Last week was a 50-minute show. Uh, today probably will be a little shorter, although I do have some things to say um, to the fan base a bit. Um, because I, I, I think their rea- the, the reactions of the fan base to the game is both Worse than it should be, and not harsh enough, if that makes any sense. Uh, and we will talk about that shortly as we get on to it. So let's uh, let's take a look here at the three-three draw to uh, FC Cincinnati in Chicago. The Fire continue their winless streak at home against Cincinnati, uh, which is kind of an auspicious. Um, an auspicious statistic until you realize that the fire have also never lost in Cincinnati. So it's weird. Um, but let's start with it. RJ, I actually thought the fire started well for the first, you know, five minutes of the game. Uh, they were on the front foot. They had a majority of the possession in those five minutes. Uh, Marion Holly Selassie, who we will talk about probably with great praise um, as as we get into it, uh, played really well, especially in the, at the start of the game. Uh, and then <laughs> and then you just have to say unlucky with the goal. Um, I think I've watched the first goal like 50 f- times to figure out what went wrong, and I think I figured it out. Uh, but RJ, the first goal, uh, what, what were your thoughts as, uh, as, uh, Mare- Junior Moreno, uh, got the pass from Brendan Vasquez and then knocked it in off a deflection off Miguel Navarro. Well, also, um, I, I do want to point out that I, again, was correct with my prediction. The fire wouldn't win but they also wouldn't lose. So I just, I just want to point that out. Um, in terms of that first goal, I think I wouldn't say that was luck, but it was pretty lucky. I, it was I, a combination I, of two things. It was a combination yeah. of luck on the deflection and a very good job, uh, by Brenner to block Miguel Navarro from closing out. Uh, I've watched this goal. Like I said, I watched this goal like 50 times and you can clearly see Brenner with his back to goal step into Miguel Navarro's path uh, and delay his closeout. I think Navarro gets there if Brenner doesn't block his way. So that's really smart on Brenner's perspective because, as we know with the luck and who the referee was in uh, Fotis, that if Miguel Navarro runs through him, uh, then it definitely 
would be a um, a penalty, and they would have scored a goal anyway. So, I I I don't know if you're Miguel Navarro, what you can do. I think earlier on in the buildup, uh, Arnaud okay could have um, hustled a bit more to try and close down the ball on the wing. Um, but at the same time, Rafael Chicos was covering it. So Chicos, you know, had the cover and, uh, Tehran ran with Brendan Vasquez who beat him to the ball. And then he had to, uh, he couldn't, you know, squeeze him because a, he was in the penalty box. Uh, and B, he was more concerned with getting his, um, body in front of the goal to stop Brendan Vasquez from shooting. So I think, I, I, I actually think it was defended relatively well uh, <laughs> until Brenner interrupted Navarro from closing out. Yeah, I mean, even with, you know, it's what Stone has done, and I, I think even with Sakai, you know, potentially closing them down, I think it would have, resulted in penalty i think what you what you said was was correct I, I i haven't watched that goal as much as you have i've watched it a couple of times but even imagining this you know any scenario i think since he would have scored regardless but that that deflection was just pure luck in terms of you know that ball you know reaching back of the net mm-hmm. uh, and, and i think that's just the overall i mean arch of this of that game as well that I think Cincinnati and I, I'm not meaning this, I'm not discrediting them. You know, they are a good team, but a lot of those goals have been, they were just lucky goals. Mm-hmm. Now, now the, the fire did, you know, defend poorly, which is, you know, a little bit surprising. In fact, they've been defending poorly throughout this whole season, in my honest opinion, compared to, you know, the season before. And, but well, like I said, you know, in the last episode where I said, you know, they wouldn't win. And same time, they also wouldn't lose. In my head back then, I thought they wouldn't get their defensive, you know, shape in place. But there's, I, I think, you know, with Sake, you know, in the lineup, which, by the way, I will praise him later. Really? But I, yeah, I will. That ball to Mueller. I'll just do oh, it right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think he, I think he listened to our last uh, podcast or, you know, our previous episodes when I when I said that he wasn't dynamic enough and he took that to heart. I'd like to believe that. But anyway, um that's just my praise out of the way. I, I think right now the fire, they're very easily exploitable in the back, but I think once Sakay fully integrates himself, I think they'll become that defensive rock they were in previous seasons. And now I guess the fire they just need to, of course, fix on their scoring, which it looks like they're slowly, you know, they're slowly getting there. Actually, um, um, I would agree, um, but I, I've got problems with Suke defensively. He he actually didn't have that great a game mm-hmm. um, uh, last Saturday, and I'm I I think they looked better when Christian Dean came on for him. Um, honestly, I I, I thought. They looked better. Um, Dean made made a couple of hustle plays when he came on that really impressed me. Um, His defensive poise 
also impressed me. Um, but we, we'll get to that as we get to that. I sort of want to go chronologically here because oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we're my, my mind's all over the place because of a recent ball game. So <laughs> please forgive me if I. Uh... You can say the World Baseball Classic final. It's fine. We just won't talk about the game on the show. <laughs> with the United States leaving seven runners on in scoring position. It's like watching the White Sox. Anyway, um, after they give up the goal, I won't say it's all fire, but like if you look at the um, first half possession stats, it's basically all fire. Um, they dominated the game at that point, and then they uh, scored two goals. Uh, a brilliant goal by Casper Shabilko from uh, Brian Gutierrez, who we will, for the umpteenth time, say the same thing about him probably later on in the show. And uh, the second goal uh, was a penalty scored by Rafa Shijos, the captain. And uh, it was definitely a well-deserved penalty, I thought. So, um, honestly... No complaints, just plenty of praise. I thought they played well. I say later on in the show, let's talk about it now. Brian Gutierrez is your number 10, ladies and gentlemen. Even even in he sometimes doesn't pick his head up in time. I think there was a time in the second half where he was trying to dribble around three guys and uh, Miran Holly Selassie was wide open. Uh a couple of feet to his right. And if he gets him the ball, it's probably a goal. Um, and there are a couple of more moments, but Brian Gutierrez has both the energy to run around everywhere and the passing ability to pick out the right pass at the right time. You have to play him at number 10, I think. And you have to play him there all the time. I think he has to be your starting number 10. I think we all know that. And I think it's 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 going to be a shame when, you know, that's not going to happen because of, you know, Shakiri. But, you know, if I speak, I am in trouble. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, speak. well, I, I guess, you know, everyone agrees. Well, I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't really say that. I think everyone agrees that, you know, Gutierrez should start over Shakiri. I would tend to believe that. Yes, he should. And Shakiri, if he's going to be in the lineup at all, he should be in his natural right. position. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Position, but, exactly. but I think you know the marketing forces are at work here. I know that's really. I, I know I've been like saying that tinfoil theory, you know, for quite a bit of episodes now. But why? Why? I think start? you said that every episode since he signed, <laughs> like going back to the all of the shows from last year, but. It's it's just baffling. Why continue to play him at ten? I mean, whatever. What's it's you know? I'll, well, I'll he, say it again he, next Shakiri, episode. Shakiri's got the touch, and he has the vision, and he can make the pass. And uh, if you get him the ball in the right spot, he can score a goal. That's why he's playing in the number ten. But he but, doesn't work as hard to find the space that he needs to be in to receive the pass. If you look at him, he's always um, double marked, usually, right? So that means there's spaces up other places, but they want to have the game run through him. 
So, um, you have to hide him if you want him to be as effective as he can be. And they're sticking him in the middle with a spotlight on him. And he can't hide anywhere. He has to be able to hide at this point in his career to be effective. And they're not doing that. And as a consequence, um, they just look better with Brian Gutierrez in the middle. They just do. I mean, even this time as Leon, I, I I think they tried placing him in number 10, and he wasn't really effective back then. And you can arguably say, you know, Leon has, you know, better players than, you know, the fire. If they, if, you know, Shakiri can't even, you know, perform as a 10 there, then he can't perform as a 10 here. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, it's bad. And, and, and in fact, it is, it, it is quite possibly... The worst thing you can say to a designated player signing is that they play better without you. The fire looked better without Shakiri because they had Holly Selassie giving um, a dimension that they don't have otherwise out on the right. And you had Chris Mueller being Chris Mueller, who was, you know, very good. He won the penalty, that sort of stuff uh, out on the left. And, you know, <laughs> Casper Shabilko has scored a goal with Brian Gutierrez giving him the ball, and he has not scored a goal when Sheridan Shakiri gives him the ball. And that's saying stuff. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Shabilko had a drought, and I think he was going through a lot of. I'm not, you know, defending, but you know, he was going through a lot of stuff, and hopefully, with his goal. Because even re- regardless of Shakiri giving Shabilko the ball, and you know there were other folks giving him the ball as well throughout last season, he couldn't produce anything. But you know, it's not, I I don't I, I will say this: I don't think it's fair just to pinpoint Shakiri. But sure, but I'm, but I'm, Gutier- but like I'm I'm just talking about this season. Mm-hmm. Gutierrez's passes are better for Shabilko uh, than Shakiri's. Correct. So uh, I mean, that's just another mark for. Um, Brian Gutierrez, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than everything we've said before in the last five minutes. Brian Gutierrez should be the number 10 on this team. He is the best central midfielder. I think that if they play him and he keeps developing, I mean, he's got a shot at, you know, depending on the system, the new... U.S. national team manager brings in and, and how he performs at, at the World Cup, the, the U-20 World Cup coming up. I think there's a real shot that Brian Gutierrez is in Europe by the end of 2024. I think there's a real shot. Mm, maybe. Honestly, I think the best place for him is probably La Liga, like a mid-table La Liga team, you know, because he he, he'll have an opportunity to express himself with the way the league you know, yeah, I the, know. The general I, style of the league. You know, I'll, I'll agree with you. Make table La Liga. I would also say this unironically. You know, upper half of Uber Eats Liga, and I think he would also perform really well in the Bundesliga, and mm-hmm. probably you know, and with a with Ajax in the Eredivisie. Um, I don't think he would perform really well in Syria or England. You know, whether it's the Prem or the Championship, his style doesn't, you know, fit those three respective leagues. But yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you with uh, Mid-Table La Liga. I, I think 
I don't know. I, I know it probably sounds a little bit selfish, but I, I, I wish that a lot of these players would stay here in Chicago and, you know, but it is what it is. It, it depends on his World Cup performance, his, mm-hmm. his U20 World Basically, what I'm getting at is he has a shot at being the number 10 starter, the, the starting number 10 for the U.S. men's national team. And I think if he wants that, if that's his goal, he's probably going to end up in Europe sooner rather than later. Also, if he wants to get paid. The other option is, and here's a thought, if he develops how you think he he's going to develop, you could always give him a DP contract. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that, actually. You know, so he can stay in MLS and, and uh, make his money here. I think that th- that would be an interesting thought, where instead of trying to find, you know, after Shakiri leaves, presumably at the end of the year, because I think this there's a team option and not a player option for next year, I believe. And, and I don't know why you'd want, if you're the fire, un- unless something happens in the next six months where he just gets on one. I don't know why you'd bring him back. I think he's washed. I'm going to say yeah, it now. Probably. I'm going to say it now. You think I, Shakiri's washed? I know. He's been washed, but... Yeah, good World Cup. That's the only place where he performs. Ignoring that, even his time back in Lyon and, you know, his dying, you know, months out in Liverpool, he wasn't that good. I mean, that's fair. And also, like, the Chicago Fire don't have Granite Xhaka to clean up his messes. Like, I love Gaston Jimenez, but... He's no Granite Xhaka. Oh, don't worry. After he wins the Pro he'll look, uh, you know, you start banging side. on the Xhaka to CF97 bandwagon. Yeah, Wait. why not? I'll, you know, I'd, I'd take him. I mean, I would too. Um, all right. So, Fire score three goals, and then they kind of take their foot off the gas. Cincinnati definitely has more possession, but they don't really do a whole lot with it. I think they had. Um, they they ended up with the same amount of shots as the fire, but they didn't really do a whole lot with their possession. Um, and then Luciano Acosta comes into the game and delivers an absolute dime to to get Cincinnati's second goal. It was a very good and, goal. And, yeah, I I can't find much fault. And I tried. I watch, like I went back and watched all the goals for the Patreon notebook just to figure stuff out. Um, but I think that um, he so so on the play on that play in particular, um, the fire again defended that really well. Basically, how you're supposed to. Um, the, the defender ran with the runner who, you know, ran off to, to give him space. And then Gaston Jimenez plays him is like he doesn't because it's Luciano Costa. If you if you come too close, he'll dribble around you or, or you know, draw a foul or something. So Gaston plays him about five yards, gives him about five yards of space so he can't dribble around him. And he plays him. um to force the ball either into the corner where there's a defender already marking that run or to play the ball backwards 
to the center circle, which, you know, is kind of where you want him to go with the ball anyway, right? Um, but Luciano Acosta takes option three, which is to hit the ball over Gaston's head and r- right onto the foot of uh, of uh, his, um, his attacker, um, Sergio Santos who was defended pretty well by Carlos Tehran. Carlos Tehran missed that ball by less than six inches. It went, it was absolutely perfect. You're not, you're not, you you can't defend that any better than they did really. And Luciano Costa beat him. He's going to do that to a lot of teams. Yeah. I'm I'm just, um, I'm just rewatching, you know, you're rewatching the second goal right now, right? Yeah, I'm just watching everything and not reading. Yeah, but, but you see what I mean, well. right? No, about yeah, how, how Dean, um, you know, tracks back on his runner properly. Gaston squares up to defend Acosta properly. And Acosta takes the low percentage play and makes it. That's what happens there. So, like, the two goals that Cincinnati scored you can't really be all that upset about. I mean, you could be upset that the fire got unlucky on the first goal, right? But but that's not being upset at a fire player or like that doesn't mean the fire did anything wrong there. Um, Miguel Navarro just got extremely unlucky. The third goal is bad. Um, Gaston Jimenez... I don't know what he was thinking, um, but he's got to do better there, right? Like, he, he's got to know that he has space to control the ball and then clear his lines. I mean, I mean of, with, with regards to the third goal, and yeah. I, I think the second goal, I think, you know, that Acosta goal, I think that was just pure skill. Had nothing mm-hmm. to do with luck. I actually think the third goal was another lucky goal on their part. You well, know, it was lucky in it. It was lucky in the sense that he hit the ball and it hit the post and it went in, where it could very easily have just gone post to post and come back out. That that it just he was just there at the right place and at the right time. No, I guess I. I, I mean, yes, but guess that has I, to do I, better. I mean. He has to know yeah, that he true. has the space to control the ball and clear it properly. Like that, like, and that's the thing with Gaston Jimenez that frustrates me and the fan base is that it's always with him an awareness issue, right? Like he's got the skill. I said in um, my uh, piece at the Lantern for three dollar patrons, patreon.com slash the Lantern. Uh, is where you can find that three dollars gets you all of my post game notebooks and pre game previews. Uh, he is the best central midfielder on the team in that it's obvious when he's in the game and the fire have the ball that he is the guy who can take the ball from attack to defense or defense to attack. He's that glue that makes the the fire engine run as i mix my metaphors um but you know, the trade off is 2 to 3 times a match he'll lose awareness 
often to horrendous results. He he should start and, taking notes from Federico Navarro. I agree, but but uh, Navarro Navarro's got passing problems where Gaston has really good passing. Where Gaston's passing is really good, Fares is not so much good. Yeah, but he can clean, you know, he can clean up the situation really well. If if Gaston, you know, took that ability from Federico Navarro, I think Gaston would actually live up to his former DP status. I don't know if that's a bad take or I don't know if that's a hot take, but I, I think don't know. If- what I like I said what I do know is that Gaston Jimenez has an awareness problem. Um and Ezra's got to solve it. Um that's that's really all I have to say about that. Um, overall, I thought it was a good performance, and the results sort of belay the fact that um, the Fire were the better team. Once again, the Fire were the better team and can't come away with points. No, I don't think they were the better team. If they were the better team, then they would have won. And I, I think that going back to what I said in the beginning of the episode where they have, you know, they have quite a few defensive problems and if they, you know, just tweak that a little, then I think then, yeah, they, they would have been a better team. I actually do think that they've got their goal scoring, you know, situation kind of sorted out. And I think Shabilka will start, you know, scoring a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they're a better team. I think they were good. They weren't bad. They were just okay. And it's good being okay against a good team like Cincinnati. As, as weird as that say, you know, as weird as that is to say, you know. I mean, they should have beat Philadelphia. If Sheehouse can score from, just put that ball in the back of the net from two feet out, they probably go on and win that game against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So... This team should have seven points, based on based on all of the statistical evidence. Um, they should be on seven points, but they're not. They've got two because of the red card and and sort of losing it at the end of the Union game, which you know you play down a man like that for forty minutes, you're pro- the, the odds are good you're going to give up a goal, and they did. Um. And then, you know, you have um, the Cincinnati game where they played well enough to survive two goals of one being a glorious expression of skill and the other being good luck. They just couldn't survive the third. Um, And frankly, you know, teams know now if you're playing Chicago and you go down two goals, there's a good chance you're coming away with at least a point because this happens. And it's not just Ezra Hendrickson, right? It's everybody. It's you, you go down the line. You know, I remember the game in 2016 when they were up three to one against RSL, and then RSL scored two goals in stoppage time or whatever to win the game. Or they were they were just two to one or whatever, and they they RSL came back and won three to two. I don't know if you remember that game, but you know, like like this is this is. Five, six, seven years of Chicago Fire soccer, and that, and that, and that's, and that's not a good team. I'm sorry, like what you said, you know, if, if a team, 
you know, goes down two goals against the Fire and they think, oh, we'll still get away with a point. That's still not a good team. The, the, the Fire can be an okay team, and right now that's that's okay. That's what they are. They're an okay team. But they can be so much more. We've seen it. Like, yeah. I, for, 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 you know, 65, 70 minutes on Saturday, um, I'd put them up against, you know, the best teams in the league. But you have to do more than, you know, those 60 to 75 minutes to I mean, be a yes. good team. I know. And, and I, I guess I, what I want to know is why can't they? I think, why, just, I, they I, I think, I think there just needs to be just a little tweaks here and there. And they will actually, you know, go from being an okay team to being a good team. And, you know, those tweaks that I've said throughout this whole episode, and you've, you know, said, you know, some of them as well, you know, start Gutierrez as a 10, dump Shakiri, send him back to Switzerland. You know, the defense, there, it's Talk getting there. Sake. Are, are oh. you, so a lot of the fan base are ready to give up on Navarro and Suke. Um, what, what's Sake? You, you, I mean, yes, I've seen all that discourse with, with Navarro. I think that yes, you do need a bench him, especially, you know, with the new signing, you know, with the new loan signing coming in. But with Sakai, I don't think it's fair. To, to, you know, I mean, he, he's fresh off a of, you know new breed season. He's still adjusting over here. I, I think you know, come summer, if he's still not performing, then yeah, give up on him. But it's still been three games. But with Navarro, I do agree. I think it's time to bench him. So what I think about Navarro is he's fine, um, but if uh, you can obviously do better, but like he's fine, like if he like if you do bench him, but you need him on a spot start due to like yellow card accumulation or an injury or whatever, that's fine. That's where I am on Miguel Navarro. Is he he's a replacement level left back and he kind of always has been um he's not he, he's not consistent enough to be better than fine and i think this is where we'll agree i think the fire can do better than fine you know what i mean yeah they can they they i i will agree with you that it shows i mean it is sh- it is showing that the fire can do a lot better than just fine. And it's a shame. I don't want to go into each and, you know, every episode that we record, you know, sounding like this. The only reason why I sound, you know, a little bit upbeat, it's just because of the world baseball classic, but the, the fire, they just honestly need to make a few tweaks. And I think that they will do wonders. Do you think they make them this week? The new left back is in training. Yeah, um, I I actually think. Do you think he starts? Uh, yeah, and, uh, do, you think I think Jonathan, he, do you think they start Jonathan Dean instead of Sukay? No, G, G uh, you know Jonathan Dean. By the way, he's very good, and he's actually thanks to him, I'm actually scouting you know the USL a little bit more seriously. I think there's actually a lot of hidden gems down there now, like Elliot Collier. Like yeah, like Elliot Collier. But yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's that's just my overall arching opinions. Just if the fire just need to make a few little tweaks, and you know th- they'll be a good team. I do disagree with you. You know, 
not they were a good team these previous games. Oh, I don't think I. I think it, now. Let me let me clarify something. I don't think I didn't say they were a good team. I said they were the better team. Or a better team. I think I think this club can be good. The roster as it is, if all of the pieces are in the right spots, can be good. They're just not. And that's the frustrating thing. Um all right, let's talk a bit about the upcoming weekend, the fire go down to Fort Lauderdale to take on Inter Miami, who lost two nothing to Toronto. Um, who nobody really picked to be any good this season. I think I I think people have a lot of the same opinions about Toronto that they do about the fire, in that they've got really good names, but don't really think that they can put it all together uh, consistently enough to be dangerous in the playoffs. Um, and they beat Inter-Miami 2 to nothing. And Inter-Miami's... Inter-Miami's lineup is... I don't know. Uh, it it, it's, like, it's, it's like Rodolfo Pizarra and... Uh, Martinez and, and Joseph Martinez and and nobody else really like um I don't know what uh, what are your thoughts on Inter Miami? It's a team just all over the place, and you know I've I've said my words about Inter Miami, you know, regarding about their coaching staff, about their players. Um, I I I don't know. I mean, we're we're not going to get to predictions yet, but I actually do think that this is where. The fire could shine, you know, brightly against. Because look, I think their only win was against so far was um, well, no, not their only one. They won against Philadelphia and um, Montreal, but they, well, the they Philadelphia lost. game was against the Champions League weary team. Yeah, which you know. But, you know, they, they lost to Toronto, which is, you know, another team that I wouldn't say it's all over the place, but they're, you know, trying to find who they currently are because, you know, it's more or less of a fresh roster. And then against New York, I mean, New York, it's not the same New York as, you know, last season. So my, Miami, I think it's a really dysfunctional club, and I think that the fire should be able to edge over them. Do you think... Uh... Well, it's interesting. Um, 25 years ago, day of recording, the Fires was the Fires' first game against Miami Fusion in what is now Drive Pink Stadium. So it, it, it's a little serendipity there that uh, on their 25th anniversary of their first match, essentially, the Fire are playing a Miami team in Fort Lauderdale at the same stadium. So that's kind of funny. Um, I think the fire should be favored in this one. Um, I do not have the betting numbers in front of me. It's probably something I could get. Um, let's see. Um, oh, you can't see odds if you don't have an account at Bet Rivers. 
So right now, as of time of recording, uh, at uh, the MGM has the fire at uh, what is it? Plus two. I want to say to win the game. Um, let's see. Uh, the fire plus 260 enters plus 100. So I would guess that Miami and a draw is plus 240. So Miami is a favorite here. Um, the both teams to score is minus 140. So they don't really have confidence in Inter's goalkeeping or the Fire's defense. Um, so yeah, the, the Fire are a slight dog going into this game. Um, I think that um, I, I think this game should be uh, this game should be interesting. I think. Um, before we go, what's your uh, prediction? If you have one, I think it's going to be. Uh, I will say this for once. Actually, I think it's going to be a win for the Fire. Wow, I'm because because look look who scored the last four goals against or not against for Miami, it's none of you know their you know quote unquote threats you know such as you know Martinez or Bizarro. It was a defender, a midfield, or I think no, yeah, it was one defender. It was like a wing back. I think is Taylor considered wing back, probably. Yeah, the only one, the only forward was there was um, I believe it's uh, I'm gonna say their name right um, Shandier Borgelin, Borgelin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the only traditional forward that you know scored. They they, it sounds like they have a scoring problem with you know, the ones who actually have to score for that team. So uh, it, probably it, Navarro that, will not be playing for the fire anyway he is going uh, i believe international duty international window um i don't know if venezuela's playing after so maybe he goes down also uh or is with the u19s the us u19s uh inter miami is losing Joseph Martinez as well, um, as well as Robert Taylor and Edson Azconda, or Azcona. So there's a couple MLS players not uh, there uh, for uh, the national team for be due to national duty. So we might get a. Um, see uh their game is march 24th so that that's this coming friday um so yeah no miguel navarro for the fire so actually because no miguel navarro it probably means we're getting the debut of the fire's new left back which is exciting uh which to me means that uh, the uh, Fire have a good shot at winning. I think I am going to pick the Fire, um, actually. Yeah. 
Look, I'm in a very good mood tonight, all right? So I, I will say the fire will win. All right. If you believe, then I believe, RJ. The fire are going to win on Saturday. That will do it um, for this week's episode of the of uh, the Hotcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Hotcast. You can find me on Twitter at RGA underscore zero two. That's my you can find RJ at RGA underscore zero two. You can find me at Ruben Tish. You can find the Lantern at Lantern Soccer, and you can subscribe to the lantern at uh, patreon.com slash the lantern we've had uh, a couple of uh, recent uh, subscribers to the patron thank you to Jeff Mittendorf for subscribing and Tim W for subscribing as well Thank you to all our patrons, Will uh, Getziolis, Chaucer's Dog, Mark uh, Jerkatis, Doug, Sean Click, Shai Snargan, Cameron Benga, MMC, Ron Bandish, uh, Audrius, Kyle Johansson, Adam Todd, Liam Harding, Jonathan Robb, David May, Cristiano Estados Unidos, Joseph, Chris Lintot, Rob Bordigan, Sam Mitten, Craig Tower. Thank you for subscribing. We will see you next week, hopefully in a Chicago Fire victory. Until then, have a great rest of your week. See ya. Good night. Or good morning. 